Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Hits Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to It's Doomsday Podcast. Today is September 5th, 2022. Time is 10.01 p.m. And joining me in this live is Jake Dials, a.k.a. J-Dog. What's up, dude? How are you? (laughs) J-Dog. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm so happy you agreed to come on. I feel like it's been a while. It's been a while, I think, since I had you on here. I didn't necessarily agree. I was threatened with violence. I just want everyone to know that right away. Who would do that to you? I can't tell you. Was it the dirt lady? It was Carson. Oh, shit. I did not see that coming. (laughs) I had to get that off my chest. So Carson woke up and chose violence today. That's awesome. I feel so much better. Oh my God. So that, no, that is, that is great though. Thank you, Carson, for threatening Jake's life. So he came on the show. <laughs> thank you, Carson. I'm so grateful. Yes. Thank you, Carson. So what's up, Jake? What's on your mind this evening, dude? I know there's a lot going on in the world right now. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of, did you see the CEO of Bed Bath & Beyond uh, decided to commit suicide? Did you see this? No, I didn't see that yet. Oh, man. So, yeah. Okay. So, Bed Bath & Beyond, right after uh, mass layoffs, this dude decided to um, yeet himself off of a skyscraper. Not sure which floor, but one of them. But it makes me me wonder what Bed Bath & Beyond was really, what they were really into, what they had going on. Why would that be a thing? Well, I mean, I saw the movie Click one time, if it's anything like that. Um, But no, I'm just kidding. to be completely honest, I don't know. I'm going to have to look into it. Um, the only thing that I know uh, with Bed Bath & Beyond is they were kind of wrapped up a couple of years ago um, in with some of these uh, chosen stocks on the market along with GameStop and uh, AMC and BlackBerry and Bed Bath & Beyond was one of these that were being accused of creating a bunch of synthetic shares on the market and... Um, that one kind of fizzled out and that's that's as much information as i can give you with it other than that i don't know so okay um for from what i'm seeing on this um their sales dropped uh really bad in the first quarter of the year okay Mm -hmm. and i think that it was rumored that this guy was going to get fired um that's at least that's what it's briefly saying like the brief stories um but it, it it came right after the announcement of massive store closures and mass layoffs. Mm-hmm. So I'm also wondering, I mean, it takes a lot for a person to get to that point. Like, hey, the company's going under. I'm going to eat myself off a building. And I'm like sitting there wondering to myself, was he getting threats for, back from employees? Like, could he not return to the normal side of life? I know I've worked with guys um, or I've had bosses that they were so scared of leaving their homes because of how they would screw over employees all the time. They would literally hire people to go shopping for them because they were just, they were terrified to run into people at Walmart, you know? Yeah, I can believe that totally. Um, But I, I, I really don't know. Um, I would imagine the only thing I could think of off the top of my head is something to do with the stock market um, with, with that company. Um, I don't know if there's some fraud on the market or, or whatnot. I mean, I, I think it's kind of, I think it's interesting that our, our mindsets have shifted immediately over to when things like this happen, it's not 
intentional it's quote unquote accidental you know uh, somebody gets chucked off a building and I, I think that's interesting how our minds kind of gravitate toward that now as opposed to you know two or three years ago so are you saying maybe he didn't eat himself somebody else yeeted him I it's very possible um, mm -hmm. if it has anything to do with the with all of that stuff from a couple of years ago with the stock market it's very likely so the plot thickens <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm going to have to look into it. This is the first I'm learning about it. Just just want to make that clear, everyone. So I, I don't know. But if it has anything to do with that, I can imagine you probably have some pissed off people um, who would not want to go down with that ship. Oh, yeah, I could, I could only imagine. And, you know, again, I just think back to myself and I'm thinking like you're you're the C CEO, CFO, whatever it was. I think CFO. Um, you you've got money in the bank. You're you're pretty much set, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, like, yeah, you might lose your condo. You might have to downgrade your house and like, there might be things you have to do, but with having that sort of a status and having that sort of, you know, money in your bank account, I mean, you could easily rebuild, sure. you know, it's sure. to me, it would not be a life ending. It wouldn't be a life ending thing. I mean, I, I couldn't see ending my life over money. If it came down to the point where I was just homeless, I'd just be a pissed off homeless guy. You know, I yeah. wouldn't consider yeeting myself if I didn't have money in the bank. There, there are, there's really not anything that could convince me to do that, to be honest, when I think about it. Um, although some people are uh, not mentally geared that way, and I understand that, I, I think it takes a lot to get somebody to, to go over that, you know, push them over to that point to where they, they start to consider those things. You have to be in a real deep, dark place for that. And some people, you know, they, they might have everything and they just have that that emptiness inside that just can't be filled with, you know, money or your next uh, lake house or uh, another another Camaro or, or whatever it might be. You know, you, you can't fill that void with things. And I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. So I just saw I saw a comment. I haven't, guys. I'm sorry. I haven't been reading the chats. I've I got all distracted. I haven't been welcome people. And invisible. Thank you for the coffee. And Jerem says, or I think it was Jeremy in the chat said. I scrolled past it now that he was supposed to go to jail. So maybe that had maybe that's true. Maybe that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, that's a possibility. Um, if that's the case, then there's probably some uh, some uh, stock fraud or um, embezzlement of some sort. Um, defrauding the shareholder. Um, that's usually what those point to. And once you get into those, that's, that'd be a federal crime and, and you're looking at years, um, depending on what the uh, severity is and, and the charges and all that. So um, that's, that would make a lot of sense. And I imagine um, federal prison is probably no picnic. No, it's not. I, uh, I've never worked for the federal prisons. I've only been there a couple times. Um, I would prefer to be in a regular prison, not a, just a regular state prison, not a federal. Uh, they don't mess around there. I, uh, I don't know the ins and outs, but they don't mess around. Gotcha. And, uh, Jeremy says he was pumping and dumping stocks. So that, there you go. There's your answer. And, uh, Gammy, actually, mm -hmm. it, it depends on the, on the length of the policy that you've had, um, I want to say with most life insurance policies, it's two to three years if you commit suicide and it's been past that two or three year mark, uh, the family could still collect the life insurance. Um, but you can't go out and get a policy tomorrow and, you know, go off yourself and make your family rich. Like that's not a that's not a thing. Um, and I kind of wonder how many people actually did that for insurance companies to put that rule in place. <laughs> like how often was that <laughs> happening? <laughs> if they had to make it a rule, then the answer is a lot of people. Right. <laughs> Which I mean, I, I mean, I laugh about it and that's horrible. I shouldn't be laughing at it. I'm sorry, guys. But I mean, you just got to think like they had to sit down. They had this happening so much that they had to put a rule in place and all the insurance companies have this rule. So this had to be something that was pretty frequent. Someone figured out, hey, I could I could really help my family out. And I mean, I guess like if you're terminally ill on cancer and you have like, you know, terminally ill, you have nothing to leave behind for your family. Maybe at some point that was a good idea for people. Um Sure. But yeah, I, I don't think this guy, um, I don't think this guy was getting his family paid. 
And again, they were probably already so well off and taken care of as it is, you know. Hey, preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. I did see something very interesting today that I did want to bring up in the show. So, uh... I know there's been a lot of talk about the shortages and I know a lot of people are seeing them and a lot of people are saying, no, it's fine. I haven't seen anything. I was uh, at a sheets today, a sheets gas station, and they had a sign um, where they serve your food at, like where you go pick up your orders at. And it said, we're sorry out. We're out of the, um, some of your favorite items. The shortages are in fact real and we are experiencing it. Mm -hmm. So, they, they put that sign up and I just wanted to say that, you know, guys, we are not out of the woods yet when it comes to these shortages. Um, they are probably going to progressively get worse. We, we have talked about that and we are seeing a direct effect at the restaurant, um, specifically with inflation, uh, instead of our food supplier deciding, Hey, we're going to run out of everything. They are increasing the prices on things so much that it's making people get limited amounts of what they're buying. Right. In order for them to, I guess, kind of stray away from the shortage becoming worse. And the only thing it's really doing at the end of the day is it's hurting small business and it's it's making this corporation a hell of a lot of money because it's not that they're out of eggs. They're just quadrupling the price of eggs. It's not that they're out of bread. They're just quadrupling the price of bread. Right. Sure. In order to keep it from you know, being bought up so quickly. So just wanted to throw that out there, guys. We're not out of the, we're not out of the woods yet when it comes to these shortages. I know everything's is is seeming kind of normal right now. Gas is starting to go back down very slowly, but it's starting to, um, gas in my area has dropped 50 cents from where it was before I left. And it is, it is slowly decreasing and things are seeming a little bit better, but guys, we're not out of the woods yet. We're not. I'll I'll consider it better when it's back down to a uh, dollar fifty. Um, it, it isn't isn't that bizarre though? You know i I have such a problem with this this administration. Just talking about the the fuel prices specifically, of how they they never acknowledge a single loss, but they'll take credit for every little win possible. And what I, I don't understand the strategy behind it because any any free thinking person can see through that crap and see that it's just an absolute smoke show of just gaslighting and 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 lies and that is that is what it is and it, it started off um, I think sometime in December I told a lot of people to you know, to expect the gas prices and, and expect the inflation and, and these very things that are happening. I, I told people, expect all of these things. And I realize I'm not talking to every single person in the world, but for, for my little circle, none of us were surprised. We knew it was coming. We were ready. And we, and we knew what we needed to do. And, and we, we just stopped, you know, we were smarter with our money. We stopped buying so many things we didn't need, um, prioritized our finances. And you know, my, my wife and I, we're fine. We're, we're doing okay. We're hanging in there. We're good. Um, some other people that we know, not so much. Um, but I, I find it really interesting that when, when, when the, uh, as soon as the gas prices started to go up, Biden said, Oh, I'm not in control of the gas prices. What do you want me to do? Um, and then they, they spiked to that, you know, four or $5 a gallon, uh, price. And he still said, you know, that's, we're not in charge of the gas prices, guys. There's nothing I can do there. Um, and then we started to see the decline happen. And as soon as it went down 10 or 20 cents, um, he said, what we're doing is working. We're bringing the gas prices down. That's, that's all us. Um, you know, everybody claps on TV for that. Yay, yay. Um, go Biden. And everything on Twitter is just everyone saying, oh, thanks for being the best president in the world and the entire universe that there's ever been in history. Um, but it's, it's amazing that you can't take the blame or accountability for 
causing the problem, but you can only take blame for appearing to be the solution. And in which case you have no power under either. And it's, well, it's incredible how many people buy that. See, the, what kills me is, is the short-term memory of Americans. You know, first off, the government's yeah. not transparent. They've never been transparent, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, I think back to when I was a kid and um, whenever whenever Bush got in and, and you know, 9-11 happened. And I remember the extreme inflation of gas being five bucks a gallon, uh, you know, just just wild things were going on. And I remember continuously hearing my dad, you know, back up Bush and Bush is great and da, 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 all this stuff. And I'm like, OK, cool, whatever. I, I was too young to know what was really going on. Um, but then I remember everything going back after Bush and then the Democrats saying, you know, we're fixing everything, we're fixing everything, you know, and then, and then the Republicans get back in and things seem to get a little bit better Then they decline and they go up and it's like, okay, this is just, it's a game at this point. People are forgetting what happened five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 Mm -hmm. years ago. They, they just forget when I got my driver's license, gas was outrageous. So when Trump was in and I was seeing gas for, you know, a dollar, I think it was like at one point here, it was right over a dollar a gallon. It was like a dollar 10 or a dollar 15. And it was right um, when the pandemic hit. And we went down to the local gas station and started filling up 55 gallon drums of fuel because we knew it was going to go back up again. Mm-hmm. And I've got these old timers at the gas station laughing at us. They're like, I don't understand why you guys are filling up. That gas price ain't going back up. No one's driving. It's COVID, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, eventually this is going to end. They're going to want industry to get going again, to keep making money. And gas prices are going to skyrocket because these guys are going to want to recoup their losses. And that's exactly what's happening. I mean, the, the, the oil companies never lose money, right? They, uh, they never do. They never have. I think even the BP oil spill, I think everybody that got funding for that, I think that was, was that paid out by insurance. They got a bailout. They absolutely got a bailout. They, I believe they got a couple bailouts for that. Yeah, I know it, um, it directly affected my wife's family cause they had a commercial fishing boat at the time and, um, the golf spill really screwed that up for them. And they got, um, they got a heck of a payout for it. I can't remember what they got, but they got a pretty nice chunk of change because they couldn't operate. Oh, I'm sure. While all that was going on. Oh, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. And that's, it's, it's theater, man. It's, call it whatever you want. It's, it's theater. It's the Wizard of Oz. You, you can't see the guy behind the curtain. And, and once you do, it all starts to make a little sense. You know, it's, you know, these, these uh, it, it's very true that all these people are shaking hands with each other and, you know, the problem starts someplace right around at the same point relatively when we took the dollar off the gold standard and we just made it fiat. And this this was the initial problem, specifically with with oil. And you know, petroleum is the number one traded commodity in the world. The number two, two traded commodity next to that is coffee. Um so there's just there's nothing there's no other resource that's going to touch it and it it started uh, you know in the in the early 1900s when um, they started to really push fossil fuels with the turn of the century and and started to get into the Model T and uh, start to get into the assembly line productions of of uh, the Model T and uh, you know they said gas um, is a is a fossil fuel it comes from the dead bones of dinosaurs and that was an absolute lie but everybody bought it because they didn't understand the way that that media works in the sense of propaganda so everyone bought that so what that allowed them to do is take something that is readily available and made from the planet itself it's not it's not a fossil fuel it doesn't come from the fossils of dead dinosaur bones and looking back on it it just sounds completely stupid how do you how do you get some people to believe that um and the only way that you do that, the reason why you do that is because you create a scarcity. So instead of it being uh, five cents a gallon back then, you could put it up to 25 cents a gallon. And then you're making bank because you, you make everybody feel like they have to have it. And if it's, if, if it's less of a commodity and more of a necessity, then you can technically set the price however you want. 
and then once people start to catch on and then you say uh oh fuel shortage we're running out of fuel you guys are gonna have to figure it out and then everyone panics and then they they start to do this thing where they they stock up on gas and it jacks the price up because supply and demand is offset and uh we've done this several times in history so i i think it's i think it's kind of funny how you know they were um pushing this this big they're pushing the electric cars real hard right yet they mm-hmm. are are complaining vastly about power consumption pretty much everywhere right um no and nobody's connecting the dots with that at all but then i go back and i, I think about this so my take on how fuel was made and in, in, in the earth was it was basically just by decay decay of anything plant life mm-hmm. animals everything that was my take on it but mm-hmm. it's what's really funny about it is gas is so high but yet petroleum-based products are cheap. Plastic water bottles, like any kind of plastic containers, they're all overly cheap to produce, mm-hmm. right? And they're coming basically out of the same industry. So it is that like a red flag there that says, hey, they're just, they're fucking with us. It's not, it's not really that scarce. It's not really costing this much to produce because we could make a bottle out of the shit and you could throw it in the trash and no one cares. It's not, it's not scarce. What are our plastics made out of? What what's a what's a necessary factor in, in creating plastics? Petroleum. Yeah. And plastics are everywhere. Look around your house. How many things can you see right now that are plastic? I mean, we're looking at our phone right now, it's made out of plastic. These these headphones I'm talking into, they're made out of plastic. These two uh, trash cans that I'm looking at, plastic. Uh, half of the things around you are plastic. And if it's such a rare commodity, why is there so much plastic? If it was so rare and so valuable, why is everything plastic to the point now that we're starting to really hinder people's health because we're realizing that there are microplastics in people's bloodstream and it's causing a lot of health issues that can't be identified until it happens. They have no clue where it comes from. Turns out it's microplastics because everything's in plastic. Um, but this is this is kind of the way that things go. This is this is what happens when there's a change. It's not a it's not a literal reset. You know, there's not somebody pushing a big red button that says reset on it, and and you see this guy in a suit and tie and real rich just smashing that thing, saying boom, it's go time. You know, this this is a absolutely it's a coordinated thing. Um, a lot of people have to work together and be on the same page for this. But when you already own everything, all you really have to do is just make the calls and say, hey, we're doing this. This is what we're doing. We're going to push electric. And, and the same people who are pushing electric are still the same people who are, who are still pushing oil. You play both sides of the war. You never really lose. Um, so these, these people will, uh, will push the next thing. And what they will do is they'll just arbitrage that market. They'll monopolize it. And they'll get rid of so much production of oil that they still have a hand in and then they'll completely monopolize that electric vehicle production and everything else that has to go with batteries. And the thing that they absolutely don't tell you about that is that every other country, um, those, those batteries that are, that are powering the vehicles are coming from China and China outsources that work to child labor. And you have these kids working in these lithium mines, and it's more destructive on the environment than oil ever would be. And you have kids working in this stuff, breathing it in without any breathing apparatus, without any shoes, without anything to protect them at all. Barely anybody wears any gloves when they go and do this, and they mine this stuff by hand because they don't have the equipment to do it. And they pay these people, these people pennies, just enough to survive. And then... They'll, they'll send everything to China. China will produce it. They'll send the batteries over here. And we say, oh, look what a wonderful thing we've done. How much sense does that make to anyone? No, and I, and I knew that for a long time. I heard stories years ago uh, about the child slave labor when it comes to cobalt battery production. That's, mm-hmm. that's also a, a big factor. But, I mean, for anybody that's like, hey, let's go with these electric cars, does anybody understand how much fossil fuels go into producing an electric car? They have no idea. <laughs> There's a ton. They're, it's, I mean, to get a battery replacement in one of those is going to cost you about thirty grand. The the vehicle is way more expensive than a conventional vehicle that runs on gas. They haven't fixed anything. They haven't made anything better. They've actually made it worse. But they're telling you the opposite thing because they want you to buy it. That's where their money is. That's where their stake is invested in. And when you control that ear of of the people, 
you can you can then you can you can start that change you can implement that change but the problem now is that everything's so instant you know i can have a conversation with you from a different state right now with 35 different people all listening and everyone's getting this information immediately all at once and hopefully it gets some people who didn't know these things to start looking or they already are while they're listening to this and they're saying, hmm, how, how do I make a lithium battery? What, what does it take to do that? And they do a simple Google search or whatever, and they sit there and their mind is just absolutely blown. And you look at, the, you look at all of the information and you say, how is this helping the environment? Because it's not. It's actually worse for the environment. No, and, and I 100% agree with you. And I, I've never been a big fan of switching over to the electric vehicles one of the main reasons why is i still feel like we haven't tapped into truly efficient combustion engines yet i still feel like we're not there um a lot of other countries operate very small vehicles they operate like little four-cylinder diesel engines that get insane fuel economy right but we don't we don't do that here we mm -hmm. were kind of bred on and, and raised on, you know, the bigger the engine, the more power. So what, it's a gas guzzler. I've got 400 horsepower. It doesn't matter. And I mean, but do we really need these things for daily commute? The answer is no. Right. No, we don't. Um, but it's, it's America and we live in surplus. We're, we're very different than the rest of the world. And that's by design. And I think that in a lot of ways, that's good. But in a lot of ways, it's bad. There's, there's good and bad that come with that. But we're, we're the United States of America for a reason. And the argument always is, is that uh, usually, um, I don't pick and choose sides, but usually that democratic side tends to say, oh, this is what the rest of the world does. Why don't we do it? And my answer is always, it's like, because we're the United States and we're not them. Everything is different here than anywhere else in the country or anywhere else in the world. Totally different place. But... It's, it's true. I mean, if they really wanted to conserve fuel, if they really wanted to preserve oil, they would find a way to design a better combustion engine because I'm sure that they probably have. Um, whatever the name of the guy is that made the... Um, what was it? The, uh, the carburetor um, designed a uh, carburetor that would burn gas and then burn the fumes and he was getting like a hundred miles a gallon off of his vehicle and then for some reason um, he just ends up being unalive i i know what you're talking about um i people do the conversion it's called like a is it called like a gasifier or something like that i can't remember yeah. what the name of it is yeah and i i can't remember the guy's name for the life of me i always have to look it up because i never remember his name but um yeah i mean he he took the product and he made it better and he put a patent on it. And apparently somebody didn't like that because after it was patented, he, uh, he died. Hmm. Go so figure. What does that tell you? <laughs> what do they, are they really trying to improve anything? The answer is obviously no. And if they were really trying to improve anything and they really wanted to make the electric vehicle better, why wouldn't they attach the battery to it? And instead of, going through and installing all of these charging stations that, that use fossil fuels to power them, where do you think electricity comes from, guys? Um, electricity is powered, basically 90% of it is by <laughs> coal and, and uh, coal and oil. Um, but if they're gonna truly make a better vehicle, why wouldn't they create a self-charging vehicle? Wouldn't you think that in that design, instead of just attaching a battery to it, they would also attach a generator to it that sends power back to the battery from the wheels or from it just being in constant movement so you never have to charge it? Wouldn't that be the optimal design? Well, it would be in the idea too, um, having integrated solar panels within the body of the vehicle. That way, when you're parked at work and your vehicle's out in the sun, it could just be regaining a charge, right? Yeah. But it, what do we, um, how do we make solar panels? What's used to make those? Fossil fuels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, with, they got these, uh, these, I can't remember what the panels are called. Are they called crystalline, crystalline solar panels? Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, they're like these, these black, it's, it's not like the old school panels that were blue and, and very reflective. And, you know, they, they're an eyesore everywhere you go. These new ones are like sleek. 
they're black, they're clean. And they even make these things like flexible now to where um, you could put this around the curvature. Some people buy these, these flexible panels to go like on top of their RVs because you just like peel and stick, they stick down. Mm -hmm. um, but why couldn't you integrate these into the vehicle? Right. Why like, why you? couldn't you do that? That to me, that sounds like it would be something very, very easy to do. It's just a giant lithium battery. I mean, technically, you can do anything with it. Hey, preppers, are you looking for good coffee? Go to www.beardedbeancoffeecompany.com. With over 42 different varieties of coffee, you'll find what you like. Why not use code DOOM15 at checkout for 15% off your coffee order? Again, that's DOOM15, D-O-O-M-15, for 15% off your order at beardedbeancoffeecompany.com. Grab life by the beans. I'm, I'm just wondering, because this, this all takes me back to cash for clunkers. You know, when everybody, like, the gas is up, everybody's bitching, the government's doing the buyback of V8s and stuff like that and pushing everybody into economy cars, and then once fuel prices leveled out again it was they pushed everybody back into gas guzzler v8s and stuff and then we saw them remake the gto the camaro they st they started remaking all these gas guzzling muscle cars after that then the import world fell off again mm -hmm. so i'm wondering if that's not going to be something we're seeing here is everybody's switching to electric vehicles because of these fuel prices once vehicle sales you know start slowing down again they have to do something to generate them again right well, you that... have to take it away just to a point to where the problem doesn't come become severe enough to where the people feel like they want to do anything about it. You get it just to that point, and then you taper it off. So what you do is you you can create an artificial quote unquote problem, um, or you can just slow down and halt the production of of uh, gas guzzling vehicles altogether, or you can do something like, oh, we're having a problem with computer chips. And then you can sit millions of vehicles out in a parking lot for months and let them erode that way. And then after that time, you can't sell them because they're no good because they've been sitting undriven. Um, and then you have a scarcity with vehicles. And then you say, ah, here's a solution. Buy an electric vehicle. Take your other vehicle and instead of trading it in at a dealership, just write it off on the total cost of the electric vehicle. We'll take your vehicle. We'll dispose of it for you and recycle it, and then you'll get a write-off for that too on your taxes at the end of the year, which you'll never get or never see. Uh, we've done that a couple times with other things too. See, one thing I always thought was really odd, um, like I, I know we do recycle car parts. I, I understand certain things get rebuilt and we re, we remanufacture stuff, but I can't help but think how much stuff just sits in a junkyard and just gets rusted away in, in the production of steel and aluminum and, and how much effort that takes. Why aren't we recycling more vehicles? Uh, because it's expensive to do it, and a lot of people just don't want to do it because it's expensive. And the, the price of, uh, of metals is not where it needs to be. I guess... I guess for so I've heard people say this over the years, and I don't I don't know the truth or not. I never really researched it and looked into it. But uh, someone told me a while ago, recycling is an absolute scam. Um, that it that it does nothing because the price to recycle stuff is so high that it doesn't do anything um, to offset the cost of production or energy for production. It does nothing, and what it actually does is it gets people to spend more money because people will pay more money for a recycled item. Yeah, um, they, they say a piece of plastic takes about 10,000 years to completely dissolve and go back to, to the earth, um, which I, uh, I'm very convinced that that's not true at all. Um, there is actually an article, I don't know if you can still find it out there, um, look up something called Trash Island. Um, so this is, this is a real thing. Um, when you recycle things, you're only recouping about 10% of what you're trying to recycle. The rest of it is lost to damage or erosion, or it's just not good to use because it's, it's tainted in some way. Um, so you're not really affecting much change as far as environmentalism is concerned. But with, with Trash Island, so there was, um, there was a place where trash started to accumulate. Lots of plastics, bottles, uh, lids, everything... Um, Everybody gets that that image of the uh, the the six pack of cans, the the plastic ring wrapped around the turtle's neck. You know that was a big thing a few years back. Some people remember that, some people won't. Um, 
but with Trash Island, they found it really fascinating. It was, it was uh, tons and tons of plastics that had just been washed up in the ocean and just started to accumulate. And it made itself its own little island just, just from where everything accumulated. And they, uh, it was a big problem. And they, they couldn't figure out a way to get rid of the trash fast enough. So they, they had no choice but to let it pile up. Um, and then miraculously, uh, a few years after all of uh, Trash Island started to accumulate, they noticed that it started to magically just break itself down. And a lot of the plastic that's been accumulated there is uh, starting to just disappear. Yeah, I'm actually looking at images of this right now. Um, and it says like 300, 300 miles. Is it 300 miles long of it's just trash? Huge. It's absolutely huge. They call it the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. G-P-G-P. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but they are, they are very confused on where everything's going after it accumulates, where does it disappear to? Well, okay, so the sun severely degrades plastic. Mm -hmm. um, it does a job on it, okay? Anybody out there that has a little bit of an older vehicle, you got that plastic trim on there, you see that shit fading. If you got um, some lawn chairs sitting outside, you see how quick it is. You leave a Tupperware container outside, in a couple years it's cracking and breaking. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, between the sun and the salt water, I'm assuming it would just start breaking this down i imagine in some way shape or form nature tends to do what nature does well that was one of the whole things about you know the the oil spill we were talking about earlier they found that the, that the ocean started repairing itself and everything that they were doing like all the effort they were putting in to try to fix it it, it really didn't matter because the you know the ocean was just fixing the problem for everybody yeah um nature has a way of correcting itself it, it absolutely does. Um, that's, that's something, uh, I, I think when, when people try to essentially play God in more ways than one, I think they end up, um, I think they end up eating their words, <laughs> you know, um, this, this whole, uh, this whole planet is one living, breathing organism and it's self-regulating. And at times it has to correct itself just like your body does. Um, you know, if you go out and you do hard labor and you hurt yourself, you know, you need to slow down and rest and you need to correct that because it's a problem. But once the problem's corrected, back to normal business. Um, the, the earth is kind of the same way. It has a really unique and innate way of repairing itself and correcting itself. And, and we're seeing that all the time. I mean, and I just kind of think about it too. Like, I mean, if the, you know, just the idea of the fossil fuels, like they're coming from the earth, the earth created them. Why couldn't it uncreate them as well? You know, exactly. so it, it, it does make a lot of sense. I mean, sorry, guys, we're, I know we're getting hung up on some weird things tonight, <laughs> but these are things I think that everybody needs to start thinking about and, and considering. And, you know, when you've got somebody in your ear talking about the benefits of these things, just remember what you hear here tonight and maybe drop some knowledge on some people and help change some minds. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are just totally brainwashed of these things and they can't. And I mean, honestly, they just can't think for themselves. That's been a big thing I've seen with, with our society lately is we have no more free thinkers. They're gone. It's true. Um, it's, it starts to get really isolating, which is, um, you know, the, the really cool thing about specifically TikTok is that it has a way to to get a community together really, really quickly. Um, and, and you know that just as well as I do. And many other people who are in here know that as well. They have their own communities of sorts that they've started to develop. And we've all kind of, some of us who are friends, we've blended our communities together. You know, we all follow each other and watch our own stuff. Um, but the really bad thing about that is that um, at least the American version of TikTok um, tends to uh, tends to influence the community in a really toxic way. So the the Chinese version of TikTok is really interesting 
because it operates the same way, but the push is through a lot of STEM technology. And I know, I, I, I think I brought this up to you a little bit last night. And the, the, uh, the Chinese TikTok is pushing science and technology and engineering and, and people doing revolutionary things. Um, the things that we built this country off the backs of our people building it from, you know, we were number one in the world for a reason. Uh, because we worked our butts off for it and other reasons, but primarily because people were, were ready to get their hands dirty. And that was the big mass appeal um, in the Industrial Revolution, you know, in the 1900s when we had, you know, Ford and Carnegie Steel and everybody pushing to just develop, develop an industry and create industry. We were, we were creating marvels of industry uh, above what the rest of the world was ever doing. We were leaps and bounds ahead of everyone. And you have to wonder how that plateaued. Um, I, I'm sure there's a there's probably a multitude of reasons, but specifically with TikTok, I think it's interesting that the Chinese version pushes all <clears throat> pushes all of these things, um, developing new technologies, um, you know, uh, new new exploratory measures in science and, and, and engineering, and the American version is still that that idea in the back of our minds of, well, it's, it's a bunch of, um, questionably young adults doing dances, uh, for millions of views. And essentially the American version of TikTok is just girls gone wild or Jerry Springer. You know, there, there's so much, there's so much content on there. You can't filter all of it, but as we scroll, we see all these just senseless things, people arguing in parking lots, uh, Karen's arguing in restaurants and these things are getting millions and millions of views. And, you know, you have, you have people like, like yourself and like my wife and like Carson and, and, um, you know, several other people who, who have viable, useful information. And it's not anything groundbreaking. It's things we've been doing for years and years and years, but it's information that, that has been lost over time. And, you know, I, it's, it would be, it's a miracle for me to break 10,000 views on a video anymore. I can't do it. Yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. Although I haven't been putting too much effort into content lately, <laughs> but um, no. But I it, so I I look at it like this. I think back in I want to say it was maybe 2005, maybe 2005, anywhere from 2005 to 2010. I think there was this big push uh, on social media, everybody started getting on social media. Everybody had something like you could walk down the street, run into a girl on the street. Hey, what's your Facebook? And she had one, right. Mm -hmm. Or what's your MySpace? And they had one. So everybody got in on this, but they didn't have a lot of control over what people were doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, it seems like now, like TikTok is the number one social media platform. Everybody's got one. Everybody's on it. Even if, even if they're, not producing content they're on it and there's an algorithm that they've they've um adhered to and it tiktok shows them what they're interested in and it becomes addicting and it keeps them there right mm -hmm. and this in my opinion with everybody being on here being on tiktok this is a new way to just keep dumbing down society to keep dumbing down americans they they censor the most ridiculous shit on there Oh, and yeah. it's it just it blows my mind like i i did a video about the the uh, georgia guidestones when that happened mm -hmm. it was up for months i think it got maybe 11 12,000 views maybe and then last week they took it down um said it violated their community standards violated community guidelines and i'm like okay and it's so funny to me now when you think about that i posted footage that was on the news that they put on the TV. It was it was on the news, right? And mm -hmm. then they go ahead and they take it down. Now, so this isn't too rough for regular TV. This doesn't violate the FCC's guidelines in any way. But for whatever reason, it violates TikTok. Yep. And what's crazy to me is there's still a ton of videos floating around out there with the footage of the Guidestones being uh, blown up. Mm -hmm. but I put in there, you know, I put in the video, why did this happen? You know, what do you think? Or something to that effect. 
And I think that's why it made people start to question things. And they're like, okay, we can't have that up. So it's got to go. They don't want the truth. They don't want people thinking for themselves. They don't want you to be a free thinker. And I think this app is severely, severely pushing that rhetoric very, very hard. It is. And if I really had to, to really sit down and think about it, which I know, shocker, I have. Um, what I, what I kind of see happening is like this, this is what I've been doing since Facebook came out. You know, uh, mon- I, I, I'm fascinated with how people operate in, in the digital world these days um, because I knew that it was going to change the world when it started to become a thing. Even back in the days of AOL, I, I looked at the, I said, oh, the possibilities. Um, and it's, it's fundamentally changing the way we operate and the way we communicate and the way we do things and, and share information. And in a lot of ways, it's great. But in this, in this particular instance, I, I can't help but look at it being the foundational build for that, that social credit system that everybody seems to be afraid of, because let's, let's look at it realistically. So, um, you could uh, you could follow the rules, and you could say the things um, that you are cued to say, and some people do that. There's a there's a creator on TikTok. I just talked to uh, Carson about this today. I think her name is Victoria Victoria Page, maybe. Um, basically a basically a teenager, basically a kid, um, not too bright. A little, a little confrontational, um, but because because she delivers information that follows that quote unquote status quo. At one point in time, when this uh, pandemic stuff was really, really um, taking a hold on people, um, she and several other creators on TikTok specifically were invited to the White House um, to learn quote unquote, learn about things that they can do to help spread the word about this deadly pandemic that 99.98% of of people survive um, and exactly how deadly it was and measures that they can take to protect themselves and the people around them by getting vaccinated. And she happily spread that information around. Um, And then we have people like myself who, who, her just pretty easy going about it. Ultimately, um, I'm against it because nobody knows what the hell is in it. And uh, it seems completely useless and ineffective. Uh, but I'm also not opposed to telling people to do what's absolutely best for their lives and their situation. But I think overall, it's probably going to end up hurting more people than it's helped. Um, that information is just as important. Having both sides of that conversation, especially when it comes down to something that you're putting in your body, that could potentially affect you for the rest of your life. Um, I think that's very important information to have on hand. And the people who, who are in charge of passing that information, um, Commander-in-Chief, the NIAID, um, several other places who push the same rhetoric, never once wanted to ever talk about the, the potential side effects that could ever happen and the, the bad things that could happen to you. They only talked about the upside of these things because what that says to me is that that screams agenda. And I don't think that that's the right thing that you need to do, especially when you're in a position of leadership, is to only look at one side of things. And that seems to be what we're doing more and more and more. And the people who quote unquote oppose that um, tend to fall in that social credit penalty of, well, um, you're, you're impacted greatly. Uh, some people lose their jobs for speaking out against this. Uh, some people's uh, financial uh, way of life is severely impacted by this. Uh, some people are thrown in jail for this, and some people lose their careers over this. How is that not the precedent for a social credit system? Hey preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com. D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. No, it is, and, it, and, it's, and it's funny. Um, 
I was talking to uh, Prep and Money from TikTok last night. He he gave me a, a call on the phone, and uh, we we were talking about moving into the the digital currency. Mm-hmm. And every time that that comes up, that's the first thing I think about is the social credit score system, right? Mm-hmm. And what that's going to entail. And I I always go back to you know this is going to run like the movie Demolition Man. I keep saying this over and over again, but. <laughs> The thing is that I I don't think anybody's really has factored into this is how much is your life going to be limited by these things, limited by the social credit score system, limited by digital currency. It's going to affect where you can work, what hospitals you can go to, where you can live, what kind of car you can own, maybe even when you could be in in or out of your house. Like the thing is, they we always talk about like martial law and losing freedoms, things like that. And just remember, none of these things apply to private businesses, right? So if a bank is privately owned, they could say, we're not going to do business with you. It may be the only bank in town, but no, we're not going to do business with you, right? Sure. Or if there's a privately owned um, franchise in your area, no, you can't eat here because this is why. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, they don't have to tell you, like they basically don't have to tell you to go home, but you won't be able to go anywhere. So what the hell else are you going to do, right? And then the, the flip side to it is how much are you going to pay to fix your social credit score system. Cause to me, that sounds like a new business industry, right? It is. It we is. have a lot, a lot of people are going to make a lot of money, right? We have a lot of people now, their jobs are to go and repair people's credit scores, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big service in America. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't the same thing be there for a social credit score or the, or another side to it? What if, what if the local courts, the local government gets involved and says, hey, yeah, you, you do so much community service, we'll up your social credit score again to where you could start eating, you know, at Denny's again or whatever whatever the case may be. And what's that going to entail? What are you going to have to give back to the government? What are you going to be in for? Mm-hmm. You know, and so they, they it's really interesting. Already, um, in, the, in the penal system, they do that already. You know, community service, you have to work so many hours and then you can retain your freedom. Otherwise, spend it in jail. That's kind of the same thing. Um, but this would just be on that digital spectrum. Yeah. I don't know. We talk about these things and it's, 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 it's quite depressing when, when, when we put all these things together as a whole, because it's just, it's, it seems very glim. It doesn't seem like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I mean, I'm, I'm one of these people that, you know, I, I see what's coming. I think I know what's coming. It's, it's very dangerous. It's very scary. There's not a lot of freedoms left as it is. And we're about to lose more. And I had a buddy of mine reach out to me, um, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, and we were talking about the the property values. He's looking to purchase property, but everything's sky high. And I'm and I told him, you know, I was like, it, it's going to crash, dude. It, it's going to happen. He's like, you know, well, you know, what can we do about it? You know, when when are people going to stand up and start doing something? And I said, dude, I, I don't think there's anything people are going to do. I think everybody's too dumbed down and just going with the flow of things to to want to rise up and do anything, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you think about all these people that that you know, abided by all the, all the rules of the pandemic and were stuck in their house for months. They're just happy to be out again. So they're going to follow whatever rules put in place. They're not going to make waves or start anything. And then we seen, you know, the, the January insertion, if that's what you want to call it. And those guys are still going through the ringer. <laughs> One of those guys committed suicide. Supposedly an insurrection in January. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I remember, I remember there being an, an insurrection in Sri Lanka. Is that the mm. one you're talking about? No, 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 no. Um, yeah, see, because they, they went in and they caused an insurrection and they burnt a couple buildings down and outed their government. That's an insurrection, right? So right. Which one are you talking about? We had one? Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the the, cap, the capital rights. We'll call it that, the capital rights. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, there you go, capital rights. Uh, the one where they let the doors open by themselves because they don't open from the outside but people still went in and there was a guy yeah yeah that one. Hat, that one that one yeah that yeah the oh. guy in the the viking hat yeah that guy i thought that was a movie <laughs> <laughs> so those guys anyway so but the reason i brought it up is those guys are still going through the ringer over every over everything mm-hmm. and i mean i think that was a big message to the american people like hey don't stand up don't do it the government the government does what is most beneficial for the government. Mm-hmm. And typically what the government wants to do is it wants to control the people. 
right? I mean, we, and I was just talking about this the other day, we have a three-letter agency for everything. And they're, they're not going away. They're only adding more. How much more control do you need over the American people? And I mean, everybody's been dumbed down so far, they can't think for themselves anymore. And that's exactly what they want. The last yeah, thing, because uh... you got to think, the, the last thing they have to control are our minds, mm-hmm. right? Well, I mean, ev- everything you do. Neuralink, so that's, that's already happening. Listen, I don't even want to think about that. And, we and should. If, if they're important <laughs> conversations, to be completely honest. They really are. They're truly important conversations that, that some people have been screaming about, and they've been censored for it. And it's so is fair. that, is the Neuralink, is that a Musk thing? Yes. Okay, I thought so. Because I haven't, I haven't done much research into it. But if you want to enlighten me on it, I'd love to hear it, because I, don't, I, don't, I do not know much about it. <clears throat> So Neuralink is an implantable device that goes um, that goes onto your brain matter, um, even underneath the, the uh, membrane that that covers your your brain. Um, think of it as a a network of fiber optics that are thinner than hairline that get implanted. Uh, into your brain and what he wants to do is essentially AI the human mind uh, to make it either operate faster or process information faster uh, the the desire is to uh, the, the the appeal will be for the benefit of people who will who will need it most that is how you get something um, that's how you win a Nobel Prize that's how that's how you really make the money, but we often, again, overlook the detriments to these things. And it'll be uh, it'll be interconnected um, either to um, what's uh, Starlink or your local Wi-Fi or what have you, whatever network. It'll be connected to a network processing information and relaying data back and forth on certain data points. Uh, but the claim is that people who have things like dementia or Alzheimer's or... Um, who are epileptic or who have the shakes uh, for whatever reason because they're old and, and can't control that part, um, you know, their, uh, you know, neuropathy or whatever. They, the, the claim is that they can reverse those things or correct it altogether, um, which sounds like a great idea on the surface. You know, uh, the old guy at the, at the cafe is allowed to feed himself with his own soup spoon again sort of deal. Um, seems great on the surface. But it's it's very much cyberpunk 2020 shit. And um, these things are real conversations that people should be having and they're just not uh, because a lot of them are getting silenced. And, and the reality of the situation is what what uh, what do you get people who have who have everything? The the one thing that you can only get them, because if they can afford to buy whatever they want, your gift is going to be useless. You can't give them anything because they don't need anything from you. There's, there's only one other thing that, that a person on earth who wants worldly things could ever want, which is just more power. And that's, that's the crave. That's why we have these, these billionaire entrepreneurs who, who are moguls of real estate and want to just keep going and keep going and keep going. Well, why? If you have plenty, what's, what's the driving force behind this debt? You know, if I had $100 billion in my bank account, what I would do is I would shut off the world and I would disappear. I would say I have plenty. I'm going to give away a lot of this, and then I'm going to disappear, and I'm going to I'm going to live very happily, and I'm going to give the rest of my kids. But I earned this, so I'm going to enjoy it, and they can have what's left. Um, but you know, you have to ask yourself, like, how do people have, a you know, four or five billion dollars in the bank or more? Like, how how do you do that, and how are how are you just, you know, there's there's only one reason is that you just want more. And, and that's, that's going to be the driving force here is that, yeah, we can get the people to think how we want them to think, but can we control them to do what we want them to do? And then they say, oh, yeah, we could have more power this way. We could create so many more industries and blah, blah, social credit score and blah, blah, blah. blah. And they sit here on this round table and just over, you know, talking, the, talking about these things over, uh, over some coffee or whatever and just potentially make slaves. Great idea. Okay, let's figure this out. So they're, they're kind of essentially doing these things. And that's, 
that's what the CBDC is set to do. These, these things are, are the groundwork foundation for these very things that we should be talking about because they're very important. The CBDC is a digital currency from the central bank leveraging the opportunity to get into the digital currency world. And what it creates is a near perfect ledger for them to be able to track every transaction that happens, who it comes from, where it goes to, what time, what day, when, location, and they it's also programmable, so they have the ability to shut it off. That screams social credit to me. an emergency action message. At approximately 1 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nora is tracking 15 ICBM nuclear missiles inbound to the following cities. Orlando, Miami, Pittsburgh, Dover, Newark, Richland, Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Boston, Seattle, Detroit. This is an extremely deadly situation. Stay tuned, the next emergency message will be a presidential address.